Welcome to the My Everyday Chaos podcast, a podcast for women looking for God's voice and biblical focus in the face of daily distraction. I am Alexandra Goman, and we have a very special treat today. One of my good friends, Veronique Weber, is here with us. Hey, guys. And we are recording this on Zoom. So <laughs> bear with us. <laughs> Be gracious. <laughs> yeah, God bless the audio is, is what we're saying. Um, I feel really honored. Um, I have been having a lot of great talks with a lot of my friends, Veronique being one of them. Um, we've been calling this a racial awakening going on in our country. And so I felt like no better time to have my friend Veronique join us on the podcast and have a conversation about that. And mm-hmm. um, if you missed last week's podcast, we talked about listening and kind of barriers to listening. Go back and listen to that. If you are feeling like you've been having a lot of controversial conversations and needing some help with the listening, it helped me to talk about listening. So hopefully it helps you. But we're going to have one of those crucial conversations today uh, with mm-hmm. Vinny. And V and I went to college together. Um, we have no dogs. <laughs> yeah, we got the receipts. If you want to see the pics, <laughs> um, lots of interesting hairstyles and yes. belted dresses. I would say <laughs> that was the style. <laughs> it was a lot of look. So I'm really glad that we get to have this conversation um, because God has really just continued to keep us connected. We went to school in Georgia together and now we both live in Boston. So uh, V, I'm going to turn it over to you and let you share with us the scripture that has been on your heart today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you and with everybody listening. Um, So yeah, this scripture has been uh, just my go-to scripture for over a decade. And it's one of the first scriptures that I memorized. And it feels like it was made for 2020. <laughs> but it's John 16, 33. Um, In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And I'm just like, good, because something has to overcome this mess. Because this is it's just been a lot um, that's been happening this year. I feel like Ooh, you're just trying to take a breath and you finally get back on your feet and then something else comes and kind of knocks you down again or at least knocks the wind out of you. And so, you know, this scripture with take heart, you know, that whole term, it just means like regaining your, your courage or, um, you know, help will arrive shortly. So just hold on. And so I feel like that's what I'm doing, just holding on until help arrives because, there is nothing that I feel like is left in this world for me to take heart in. And it has to be God. It has to be Jesus. I just don't have a refuge in anything else. I don't have, you know, yeah. 2020 has just shown me like <laughs> those things that you thought <laughs> were solid and that you, you held on to. Uh, it can just be taken away in a blink of an eye. So yeah, mm. take heart, take heart. Uh, rest in, take courage in, hold on to God in the midst of all the crazy. Because I just feel like 2020 is not done yet, which is so scary. <laughs> oh my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> it's like, how can it get any worse? Don't say it, it out loud. Lie. The, zombies, the zombies can hear you. <laughs> Next up, 
next on this episode of 2020. Um, no, I think that's so great. I think that's so true. That the idea of taking heart, of relying on God, that He's our only place of refuge. And I know that you have been. Um, it's been really cool to see just God really using you to talk to other women about what it means to take heart during this time. I know you have a mom's group you've been doing. I know mm-hmm. you've been, um, you're a minister like me. So obviously you talk to a lot of other people um, in the church and out of the church, but, but what are some of the things that you feel like God's been really calling you to take heart in? Yeah. I mean, whew, so many, the first thing is like my lifelong lesson. I feel like, you know, we, we're all being put in timeout right now in 2020, but I am often put in timeout by God when it comes to the, the area of rest and resting in him and not my own ability, not my own two hands, my own strength. And so I think that whatever strength we all thought we had has been hmm. obliterated <laughs> uh, this year. So I'm a minister. I'm also a speech therapist. And so I've been doing teletherapy with some of my clients and just helping the, the moms, the parents to just realize like you are just this is kind of impossible. So it's okay to, to just do your best every single day. You went from being uh, just a mother and an employee, uh, which was hard enough to like being a teacher and, um, you know, doing all these things at home. It, it, It was just a ton of things like all at one time. But I think, you know, for me taking heart in the fact that like, when I look at the news, when I'm on social media, you know, there are some good things that are happening. There are things to find joy in all the time. You're very good at that. But overall, it it is sad. I'm sad. I'm overwhelmed. I feel discouraged. I just feel, I wake up, I feel heavy. Parts of my body ache, and I know I haven't exercised, so I don't know what that is. You know, it's just, I'm carrying stress <laughs> in different parts of my body. Because um, I just feel like this world is so heavy right now. And right. I mean, you have seen me from the beginning of this year. I have not stopped crying <laughs> this yep. year at all. Like I'm mm. breaking down the staff meetings over Kobe Bryant. And then I'm like bawling my eyes out because, you know, all this stuff going on with COVID and, you know, losing people and people being sick and then like personal loss. And, you know, just, I just feel like the list goes on and on and on. So if, if not God, then what? Like, I just don't feel like, I feel like everything else is just a slippery slope and it's just Mm -hmm. so movable and so removable from my life that, um, yeah, I just have to know that there's only one constant and that's God. And, um, what that looks like is going to him with all of my stress and all of my hurt and all of my pain, um, and not looking for that comfort in, in anything else. So, yeah, no, that's, that's great. I love that. You know, you were sharing with me um, at some point why you think that people of color have always been people of faith. Obviously, blanket statements. Not every person of color is a person of faith. But you were telling me something specifically that I think you should share because I think it's so true. And and I kind of want to bridge into that conversation about race together. Um, Yeah which unfortunately we haven't talked about enough in our friendship. And I think, I mean, I think a lot of us are realizing that, um, that we haven't had some of these conversations as white people with our friends of color. Um, Mm -hmm. and we'll talk more about that in a minute, but do you want to share kind of what you were, what you were talking to me about with, um, absolutely. Yes. So being black is awesome. It's also really tough. And, you know, I, I was telling you earlier that, 
that's why so many black people always had that praying grandmother on the porch praying for the whole neighborhood <laughs> everybody that went by you know just praying over everybody's heart you know mainly because um what else like what else can she do like what else can we do um you know there's a lot of activism we can partake in that we can post things on the internet we can have conversation um, we can do all the appropriate things. We can vote. <laughs> we can do all the appropriate things. But at the end of the day, it has to come back to a solid foundation in God. Because what if the vote doesn't go our way? What if the activism doesn't, you know, produce change? What if, you know, these things are still happening, which they are. This is nothing new. That's why we've talked about it being an awakening, because people have just been sleeping. <laughs> it's been happening forever. And so right. Black people have to have faith. We We have to have something greater than what we see around us, because we would stop. We would be discouraged. We would give mm. up. You know, when you see a black person still fighting and moving forward, they're fighting for something greater than what they see around them because we don't have anything around us normally that's wow. encouraging. Um, so just because we come to the church and we have a smile on our face and you see us and we're smiling, that doesn't mean we're not kept carrying something that's really heavy. And so the, for me personally, what makes me uh, able to carry the weight of being black in America is God <laughs> and yeah. the support that I have from people around me. So, amen. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. You know, I think mm -hmm. even going from that, you know, this idea of taking heart, I think that something that Jesus did, you know, is, is I think the scriptures call us to carry each other's burdens, you know, and I think that yep. It reminds me that we're called to take heart even together. Like we're supposed to right. engage in this concept of, you know, we're not meant to be Christians on our own. We're meant to be, to be Christians that really form bonds. That's the body yeah. of Christ. Right. And so as you think of this racial awakening that again, I think it's far more that white people are having a racial <laughs> awakening. <Wake because>, up. <laughs> you're like, I've been, I've been awake. Like, welcome to the party. Like I knew that yes. this was happening. Um, right. but I think that we have come to, uh, a new understanding of what our brothers and sisters have been going through on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, and amen for that. I don't know why it took so long, but it's happening. So mm -hmm. this idea of taking heart together, what do you think are some of the things that even, I know something that you've told me that you're really passionate about is being a mother and right. engaging in these conversations about race. And you were telling me that's kind of the lane that, that you really are wanting to stick to in some of these conversations mm -hmm. and really educate other people about, have important conversations with, um, but how do you think we can take heart together? Yeah. I mean, to take heart, we have to really know each other's heart too. You know, like you can't really help me to have courage and, and have faith if, if you don't really know what my struggle is. And so I think that, you know, that's what we've been blind to is like, we kind of come to church and we gloss over things, but like there is a deeper struggle that is there under the surface. And so now people are asking the question, you know, can you invite me into that struggle and can, or at least tell me, tell me more about it. And, you know, I've appreciated all the text messages and emails and phone calls I've gotten, but like, that's some deep stuff. Like it, it is, it can feel exhausting to share, <laughs> you know, those things that you've had to push deep down just to live, just to go to school, just to go to go work. Up. And, right. you know, it's, it's a lot just to show up. You know, I, I have often been, you know, in my secular job, the only black person at my job. And so 
there, you know, there's a lot that goes into, um, you know, these things. So I feel like, yeah, first know our heart, draw people out and not be afraid to engage in conversation. I was saying earlier, like, I just love, you know, that, that characteristic of Jesus, that he was not afraid to engage, that he asked questions all the time. He, he welcomed conversation about hard topics. He did not stray away from those things. And so, you know, that is one thing we really have to grow in as Christians is not glossing over these hard topics with just like a scripture <laughs> or like, right. peace be with you or whatever it may be. But, I'll pray for you. you know, yeah. right, I'll pray for you. But tell me more about that. How did that make you feel? And like, I, I'm from the South. We're from the South. So yeah, like, we you ask somebody, hey, how are you doing? Like, that's just like, hey, like, we don't expect that. You know what? I'm really, I'm really feeling like dejected. You know, I'm really feeling overwhelmed. Like, we don't, we don't expect yeah. an actual <laughs> response to that. Like, I need you to just say you good so I can just keep on moving. Um, <laughs> so we have to, we really have to abolish that and to allow space for people to tell us I'm not doing great. Like if 2020 doesn't give us anything else, it should give us some emotional expression, like some kind of freedom in that realm of just being like, yeah, I'm not great. Like this is not good. And this is why, and us making room for our friends, our family to, to tell us why they're not good. And so that's how we take heart with one another. We, we open up, um, you know, get permission to have conversation and then show compassion. If Jesus was nothing else, he was, a conversationalist with compassion. And mm. if we don't have that on straight, then there's no way we can be his church. I, I just don't see how, um, yeah. or his Christians, you know, I don't see how that is possible, but, but yeah. I, and, and in my mom's group, I, I just love, you know, I started a, a zoom group on Mondays at four, mainly because I was losing my mind. So I, I just knew I couldn't be the only mother out here losing my mind <laughs> in a global pandemic. Um, and so <laughs> I was like, Woo, this is a lot. And I just wanted to see if other mothers wanted to get together and talk about how much of a lot it is. And a lot of people have come together and talked about it. And, you know, a month ago, we opened up the topic of, you know, race and how are you talking to your kids about this? Because as all this was coming in social media, and I've been off social media for two years, and I got back on the pandemic, because I kind of felt like I got to be a part of the church. The church is online. <laughs> so here we go. And I the only I way to socialize now. Right, It's too much. I'm like, why did I have to come back now? Um, but it, it definitely like opened the door for all this, all this bombardment of information and who and content. And I'm just like, wow, that's way more than I uh, was, you know, thinking I was going to get. And Hmm. It has, it's, it's really just thrown me that like, wow, what is my lane? Like, am I going to be the one posting every day? Am I going to be the one out here marching? Like, am I going to make the signs? Am I going to like make the meals? Like we all have a lane and I feel like, wow, I've been appointed to be a mom for such a time as this. I'm wow. raising the next generation. That's so powerful to be able to educate, to encourage, to um, be a good model for the next generation. Because if my daughter is having these same conversations about her life mattering 20 years from now, girl, <laughs> like, I, I don't even have any words. Like, yeah. I, 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 yeah, I just, that, that breaks my heart to think that that could be a possibility. And so our daughters will be raised together. We have the opportunity to change the narrative for them Amen. so that this is not what they have to endure. 20 they years don't have now. to wait till they're 31 to have some right. TikToks. 
Rosie will not have to wait for her podcast. <laughs> She's like, That's Jillian, right. Jillian, what do you think? <laughs> yes, absolutely. It won't be foreign. It won't be. Yes. Um, they won't be like, it won't be an awakening for them. It'll be their reality. And their reality. Be, hopefully it's just commonplace that you're different. I'm different. I love you. Uh, let's, let's keep it I moving. <laughs> that is the most beautiful thing. No, I love that. I think that's so true. You know, I think this is something I, I've shared with you, but I think, you know, I grew up in a church culture. You grew up in, in church culture. Um, mm-hmm. And now we, we basically are church culture now. <laughs> um, much to our dismay, we, we are the religious people. Um, but I was thinking about, you know, just this idea of, I think the way that I was raised in, in the diverse church that I came from, and this wasn't, I don't think inherently evil, but I think we've just come to realize like, ah, this, this wasn't the right call. You know what I mean? Like, and Hey, hindsight is 2020. Maybe that's what this theme this year really is. (laughs) Yay. Um, 2020. But, um, but I think that the way that I was raised was like, yeah, like, see, like we're, we're in this diverse church and there's different ethnicities and ages and socioeconomic backgrounds and, and all of these things. Right. And it was almost like, so just we're colorblind is almost kind of how I feel like the conversation was like, oh, like we're not different was almost Mm -hmm. how I, I thought that I should think like, oh, we're the same. And I think what I'm coming to realize is I don't need to teach Rosie that we're all the same. I need to teach her that we're different. And that's a beautiful thing. Like, yeah. Like auntie Veronique, she is, she is darker than you. Like she's black and it's gorgeous. (laughs) And she can teach you things that her mama can't teach you, you know? (laughs) And that's, that's a good thing, you know, that we are, our differences and not hiding those differences or not acknowledging those differences. I think one of the things that I've been thinking a lot about that I'm sure you have too is I don't want people that come from a background of color to feel like they can't bring their experiences into the kingdom of God, mm-hmm. you know, that like, Oh, yeah. well, I got to leave my blackness at the door. Like, no, like yes. this yes. is the church. That, like that, that breaks can, my heart. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Like, and I, I just want to, so I think that as we think about some of these things, like how do we raise our kids not to be colorblind, you know, mm-hmm. but to see color and value difference and, and see the beauty and difference rather than denying it. What do you think right. about Abby? Oh, girl, I think so much. Um, you know, I really do feel just so empowered from this conversation because so many ideas are coming to my mind. I'm like, oh, my gosh, Alexandra and I get to redefine beauty standards for like the next generation, like Jillian and Rosie, like they in Georgia, like they will think, you know, you're beautiful. I'm beautiful. There is no like, this is what is on the cover of Vogue or whatever mm-hmm. it is. It's like, you know, I just, I think that that is so much power in that, that we get to raise them to see a different way. And that I hope that that is what other parents, you know, that is power too. And that we do not have to conform to what we were taught. Um, yeah. Yeah. Ooh, break those chains. Okay. Let's move on. Um, so yeah, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like, yeah, just the, the main thing is really just education and, um, and, you know, teaching, like you said, the differences are beautiful. They're so beautiful. And that statement, you know, I'm colorblind. I don't see color. Oh gosh. I was going to like, that is so dangerous. Like it's, or it, it's just, wow. Like that, that is, that is a scary thought because I don't, 
I want to be seen. Like, I want you to fully see me, fully know me and love me and know that like, because of the color of my skin, like, so what? Like that doesn't give you the permission to treat me any kind of way or whatever. I want you to see me fully and then love me and embrace it. And let's move on. Like I, we don't need to, it, it, it shouldn't have to be this, oh my gosh, like <laughs> you're black or, you know, whatever it is. And so I think that, you know, in my own ignorance, in the mother's group, I was thinking, oh, I'm just going to open this topic up and like the mothers of older children can talk about how they're talking to their kids about race. Because mm. I have a two-year-old and a four-year-old, like I'm still a, white, a ways off from having those conversations. That's where my ignorance was. And I had a mother on that group who talked about her, I think three-year-old, um, three or four-year-old at daycare who was told by a white peer that I can't play with you. I'm allergic to your, your, your skin. And that child did not learn that from like Sesame Street or Dogma Stuffins or any of that. You know, that was that came straight from the parent's mouth or, you know, right. some caregiver. And so it's like, wow, if people are teaching their child or their children um, hate and prejudice at three and four, then I better be counteracting that with some love and inclusion. And yes, th- these, these are people that are different from you, but that doesn't mean that you treat them differently. Um, and so I'm like, if there are people that are already breeding that into the world, breathing that into the world, like, oh gosh, I have to equip my children at this age to be able to, to um, just know who they really are. You know, that, that, that makes me a little afraid that somebody could tell them that in three or four and they wouldn't know what to think about that. Like they would sit yeah. with that thinking that something was actually wrong with them. That's, that's just too much for me to bear. But yeah, so I think one is just having those conversations early. And, you know, I, I mentioned kind of alluded to the, the text messages and phone calls that a couple of my friends and I were getting when the awakening began um, <laughs> about a month or so ago. And instead of just being like, yeah, thank you so much for your support. Yeah, I'm fine. You know, whatever. We were like, you know, I'll, I'll just say her name, Kamala, we were like really spearheaded it. And I mean, she is incredible she put together this 10 point list of like hey you want to support you want to be an ally here are 10 things that you can do and they were like go to your boss and ask about diversity inclusion like I mean it was incredible and so she's asking for our input and I said encourage parents to buy a doll that is of a different race than their child okay I'm so glad you brought that up because I think that that is an important thing. Like, I've been thinking about this because I wasn't sure. And this is where I think these conversations are important because mm-hmm. I do think that we have stayed away from these conversations right. out of, like, sensitivity. And then we realize, like, wait, that's the insensitive thing to do, <laughs> to not talk about it. So, oh, the stress. This is a stressful yeah, time. But it's so, and it's like, you don't know until you know. And yes. so, but I think, but I think that, like, you know, I'm watching Jillian, Jillian's my daughter. I'm watching her at two pick up a baby doll and like try to feed it and love it and like nurture it. And sometimes, you know, feed, you know, anyways, so she's doing Come all out. these nurturing, motherly, loving things to this baby doll. I don't want her to learn to do that for just black baby dolls. I want her to do that for skin tones of like all skin tones. And so People may think, oh, that's so trivial, that's so small. They learn care and concern at this age. And yeah. if they're just learning it for a white doll, that, that it, it plants a seed. I mean, I really do think it plants a seed. And I cannot get out of my mind that, that, that documentary or that study of 
the black and white little girls and them get a, they had a black doll in front of them and a white doll in front of them. They were asked a series of questions. Who's the most beautiful? Chose the white doll. Who's the smartest? Chose the white doll. Who is, um, who has the nicest clothes? Who, you know, all these different, and these were young girls that always went to the white doll as being the prettiest, the smartest, the most desirable. And I'm like, yeah, see, we got a problem. We, we have a problem if that's the way that children that young view a skin tone or mm. a race. And so yeah. that, so I this mean, didn't and, and, then, and it's not, mm. right. And it's not, just, it's not just for the children. If you have a problem going out and buying a black doll, you may have to sit with yourself for a little bit about your own prejudice. <laughs> because if you feel like, oh, I don't want to go to Target and get a black doll, you may you may have to work on some things. You may have to take some things to God because there might be things in your heart that you haven't yeah. even dealt with. And like, why do I feel weird about my child having a black Barbie doll or a white Barbie doll or whatever it may be. So, you know, people can take that any kind of way, but I do feel like they, they learn about love, you know, at this age. And we have to make sure that they want to extend that love to everybody and not just somebody that looks like them. Yeah. Oh, this is great. No, and I appreciate you saying that. And I think that that's so true. I think you're going to have a lot of people heading to Walmart, buying buying (laughs) black doll after this. Um, But no, I think that's true. You know, and it's funny because this is something I've thought about with Rosie because I've, you know, I, I, that was something I thought about like, okay, the, the toys that she's playing with, even like the TV shows that she's watching, is she watching Mm -hmm like Doc McStuffins or yeah it's Elena of Avalor so you know Mm -hmm. Latina heritage (laughs) but but, you know I think even with the doll question I had felt like oh is that not that I wouldn't want her to have a black doll but is that would someone else of color think it was weird that I bought my daughter a black like Mm -hmm. there's so many funny things that I think we have to keep having these talks and break through because I think sometimes as white women, we don't know what's right. <laughs> right. <laughs> we don't know, obviously, what's appropriate. And I think right. the concern of, oh, well, I, I don't want to make the wrong move, so I won't say mm-hmm. anything. Or I right. don't want to say the wrong thing. Or I don't want to ask the wrong question. And obviously, we're lucky, right, where we've been friends for 12 years. I don't even know. So yeah. there's some trust that we've built over time. I can, I can ask you some of these questions and right. And I do think if you are a white person listening to this and you don't have any close friends of color, build some trust before you just go up to a random black person (laughs) to ask. But this is not poll a black person time, you know, in America, (laughs) not all black people think the same about everything. So we're all different. And different yep. let us yep. right. but anyways so I do think that that is it's good to have these conversations and obviously mm-hmm. we're, we are going to think a little differently we are going to have different perspectives but I yep. think as mothers as women remembering to engage is I think yeah. the biggest thing that I'm taking away from this time yeah. um, Silence isn't the answer. Not talking about it isn't the answer. Not seeing differences isn't the answer. That's right. not that's not how we grow. And so Right. Yeah. And even from your example, like if I got Rosie a black Barbie doll, what would a mother that's black like what, what would she say? I hope that then she would come to you and say, well, Why'd you get Rosie a black Barbie doll? You could say, you know what? I know that she's learning, you know, love and nurturing. I just want to make sure she learns that for, you know, 
people of all color. I hope that you can come and say that and that sister or whoever can respond. Like, I hope that just sparks the conversation. It's not just like a, because it's not just, yeah, it's not just one-sided where um, yes. you're the only person that can engage in the conversation. I hope that all parents can just be talking about these things and that yes. it's so natural that, you know, when our kids get into, you know, elementary school, middle school, and Rosie comes home and it's, it's February because, you know, that's the month we get, we, we get a month for Black history. And so maybe that'll change in 2021. It'll be like every month is Black History Month. And so, uh, stop getting us the shortest month. But if, oh gosh. Um, <laughs> add that to the list of if, the things we got to grow in. Right repent if you know she comes home and she's like here's my black history assignment martin luther king you know rosa parks and then you're just like oh this is great these people did some amazing things for not just the black community but for the whole world awesome let's talk about some other people who changed you know things for black people and just not staying put because this is what um the educational system put out which depending on where you live can be like really minuscule when it comes to black history and or really mm -hmm. slanted when it when it comes to black history so don't i hope that we can then come to the teachers and be like hey can we talk you know can we do a little bit more or can we and, and that can't just come from black parents because then we seem mm -hmm. like the angry people that you know <laughs> don't don't ever right. you know we're not ever satisfied but if that comes from somebody that's white like wow that's an ally to just not just take the status quo for like education and history and, and all of that. And so, yeah, I think that it, it starts when they're this small, but these conversations and th this should continue and this should be mm. hopefully normalized <laughs> soon. And, right. then, and people Building can stop bridges. feeling like, yeah. And not feel like, Oh, I'm so uncomfortable. Gosh, our, our marriage to comfortability is going to be the death of us. Like, we have to get uncomfortable to see any change. Like, how can you see anything grow um, in comfort, you know? So hopefully people get okay with being a little out of, bit out of shape and uncomfortable. Because I'm like, how can you be comfortable even as a Christian? And so um, hopefully, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm okay I've made my piece that, that people are showing up late to the party as long as they don't leave the party. Just, you can come late, just don't leave when the food runs out. Like when all the festivities run out, like don't leave when the hashtags die down and all that stuff. Like you can show up late, just don't leave early. <laughs> so I I'm love okay that. <laughs> Stay at the party, help Stay clean here. up. Right. Yes. I yes. love it. Become a co-host, if you will. Yes. Um, no, love it. Veronique, thank you so much. This has been great. I feel like this conversation helped me so much. It, it's exciting to think about the next mm -hmm. generation and them having these conversations and preferably not even needing to have some right. conversations. If they want to, if they want to, but not because they have to. Prayerfully, this is just who they are. Um, right. <laughs> but knowing our little feisty people, they're probably going to have some conversations in their life. Um, oh, I love it. I love it. Well, V, I love you. Thank, Thank you for this oh, time. My. I love and you, too. This is amazing. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Um, it's Thanks, been great guys. to have you on the podcast, and we will see you back next week. If you liked this episode, subscribe. Share it. I don't know. Well, you don't have to. I won't be offended, but very neat. Well, so. I will. You should do it. Just do it now. <laughs> have a great day, everybody. Bye.